0: All right, hey everybody, welcome to Valley Creek Church. Is anybody excited about a new year? I hope you and your family had a great new year, I hope you had a great Christmas, and we wanna give a big welcome to all our campuses, whether you're at Denton, Venue, Flower Mound, online, wherever you are in the world, let's all welcome each other together. We are glad that you are here, and I sure hope you and your family had a great Christmas and a great New Year's, and we had a great one here at Valley Creek Church. We had amazing Christmas services, and we had a great online New Year's experience together, and uh, I just want to start by just saying thank you. I want to thank every person that served on a serve team, every person that gave generously, every person that invited someone to Christmas, every person that engaged with faith and, and used their passion to bring the presence of God. Because of you, 10,000 people got to experience a Jesus focused, spirit filled, life giving church. Okay? That's amazing. What I want you to never forget is that we're a team and we're a family and we do this together and we can't do it without you. Like you are Valley Creek Church. You are the culture. We are on mission together and you are the ones that make this place great. It's not great because of the preaching. We all know that. It's not great because of the worship. It's not great because of kids ministry. It's not great because of students ministry. It's great because of you. And you choose to be Jesus focused, spirit filled, life giving people. That's what makes a great church. So well done Valley Creek Church. Jesus was glorified and he was declared to a whole lot of people. And we're excited to see them come back over uh, the days and weeks and months to come, uh, as we keep moving forward. But this weekend is the beginning of 2017. And it is a new year. I'm excited about the new year. It's going to be a great new year here at Valley Creek. And I I love New Year's because New Year's is a time for fresh starts, new beginnings, resets. You get to kind of clear the slate a little bit. Hebrews 8.12 says, I will forgive your wickedness and remember your sins no more. You start 2017 and God says, hey, I've already forgiven all your failures of 2016. Is anybody excited about that? I sure hope so, because you kind of acted like he said, I will remember your sins forever and forgive nothing you ever do. <laughs> Romans 8.1 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, which means you start this year without any shame and any condemnation. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Everything that's old is gone and everything that is new is starting in this new year. God has a great year for you. I have no idea what your year looked like last year, but I know this Lamentations 320 says his mercies are new every morning. And so you are stepping into a new year with new mercies. And the truth is, is this 2016 was a hard year for a lot of people. There's a lot of people that struggled with brokenness and depression and discouragement and failure and loss and anxiety and fear and, 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 and all kinds of worry, all kinds of stuff. Okay, can I just tell you this? You're stepping into a new year and his mercies are new for you today. So, what if we choose together as a church to put the God of mercy first in our lives in 2017? Matthew 6.33, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. Paraphrase, put God first, he'll take care of the rest. If you'll just put God first this year, he'll take care of the rest. He says, seek first his kingdom. What's his kingdom? Well, it's the rule and reign of God. Submit and surrender to the lordship of Jesus. Obey and follow, even when you don't like it and it doesn't make sense. And then seek first his righteousness. In other words, believe and receive in the finished work of Jesus. Stop striving, stop struggling, stop trying to earn God's favor through your own effort and receive the fullness of the finished work of God for you. And everything else will be added unto you. If we're honest, though, we often reverse that, don't we? We seek everything else and then try to add God into our lives. And so here's my question for you. The beginning of the year, what are you seeking? What's your goals? What's your dreams? What's your hopes? What's your resolutions? What's your desires? Whatever it is that you're seeking, put God first. He'll take care of the rest. Psalm 37:4 delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Watch what will happen if you'll just put Him first. And maybe the most practical or tangible way you can ever put anyone or anything first in your life is through your time and your money. Like, like let's just be honest, we can talk a big talk all day long, but if you wanna move from talk to action, it's time and money that really determines the priorities in your life because those things control your heart. I mean, let's say for a moment I told my wife, I said, hey Colleen, you, you're, the, you're the most important thing, you're the, my number one priority in, in my life, but I never gave her any money and I never gave her any time. Do you think she would feel like she was first in my life? Come on. That's ridiculous, isn't it? Okay. I think sometimes that's what we say about God, but our actions show otherwise. So what if you start this year by putting God first in your finances? Like week one. Okay, God, you're my provider, and I'm going to give back to you what you say belongs to you. Malachi 3 says this, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord. In other words, put me first and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I will prevent the pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your field will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. Then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. He says, hey, test me in this. Only place in the Bible God says to test him. Put me first and watch what I will do in your life. In fact, he says, hey, the reason that you're not giving me the tithe or or you're not giving me the tithe means your life is currently so full you don't even have room for the blessings I want to give you. So I'm asking you to give back to me the first 10% which belongs to me so you can create some space in your life so I can bless you so full of my goodness that the world around you will come to you and say, hey, I've taken notice. What is happening in your life? So why not start with God that way this year? To tithe simply means you're declaring, I trust God as my good father. So maybe you need to take a next step in your generosity because that would be seeking first his kingdom, submitting and surrendering, even though you don't like it. And and then what if we put God first in our calendar? What if you start at the beginning of this year and just say, hey, God, these these are some commitments, some appointments I'm going to make with you this year. And we've got a great spring planned out for you. Tons of opportunities for you to do that. Like next week, we're going to kick off a new series, 21 Days of Prayer and Fasting, like we do at the beginning of every year. And it's going to be amazing. I hope you'll be here with us for the whole series. And then we've already talked about it. We're going to have our all-in gathering on January 20th. And then we're going to start a weekly young adults gathering on January 24th at the Denton campus. So if you know any young adults, get them up there and send them to go and hang out with all the amazing people, you in Denton and the north side. And then uh, we're going to get into February and we're going to have re a three day encounter with God. In other words, we're going to have our first ever old school revival. We're going to have three days where we're going to believe God is going to move in such a profound and incredible way. And then we've got our first ever follow conference, which will be our first conference for developing kingdom minded leaders. And then in March, we're going to have ignite a one day encounter for students. Then March 26, we're launching our Louisville campus It's happening. We're moving forward. There are so many things go on the website and every week we have pathway classes, serving opportunities, groups, and weekend gatherings. So my challenge to you is this, start this year and just put God first on your calendar. Make some appointments to say, God, in the beginning of this year, I'm going to put you first with my time. Because the truth is, is at the end of the day, you don't have enough time for everything, but you always have enough time for the right things. You will never have enough time for everything. Let's just call it what it is. You always have enough time for the right things. So choose wisely. And the choice is yours. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. Probably heard me say that before. If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. So do you like what you've been getting? Then keep doing exactly what you've been doing because that's what you're going to get. But if you want it to change, even the slightest bit, you have to change some things that you're doing. So let's put God first together this year and watch what he will do. And the reality is, you can't do that alone. That's why God invites us into his church, into community, because we very rarely are able to fully seek God on our own. We need each other, so let's go for it because Psalm 6511 says he crowns the year with goodness and his paths drip with abundance. You want a good year? And you want an abundant life? Then choose to put him first this year and watch what he is gonna do. Is anybody with me on that? Okay, about half of us. So Denton I, and the venue, I think you guys are more excited about it than we all are right now here. Okay, so here is how I wanna start the year with, with all of us together is what I'd like to do is I wanna share with you, uh, that was all bonus stuff. So you weren't even excited about the bonus stuff. I'm not sure you can get excited about the message. And by the way, I have a double ear infection and a sinus infection going on right now. So y'all can help me out a little bit and be a little more excited about what we're talking about. Don't make me start the year with a spanking. That's like the worst way to start a year for the preacher, man. Okay, here's how I want to start. the. And you can say, you just can't hear us. We're excited. No, you're not. No, you're not. I can just tell. I literally can't hear anything, but I can just tell. I want to tell you our theme for the year. Every year around December time, for the last few years, I spend a bunch of time seeking God about where he wants us to go and what he wants us to say to us. And... And for the last few years, I feel like God gives us a theme, a theme for the year, that if we will choose to lean into it, there is a supernatural favor and a divine grace upon that area in our lives as the people of Valley Creek Church. And last year, the theme was breakthrough. And we watched as God brought breakthrough all over this place, all throughout the year. And and maybe your breakthrough didn't come the way that you wanted it to. Mine didn't. But a whole bunch of other breakthroughs did come in my life. There was a favor and a grace on that. And so This year, I believe that God is speaking to us, and the theme for 2017 is healthy relationships. I think the theme that God has for our church throughout the entire year, and there will be a grace and a favor on it for you if you will have the faith to lean into it, to lean into that which God is speaking and that which God is doing, is this concept of healthy relationships. I think this year, God wants to heal restore, grow, develop, expand, reconcile, do some amazing things in the relationships in your life. In fact, in Mark chapter 12, the teacher of the law comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, out of all of the commandments, which is the most important one to God? Out of the hundreds of commandments that God has spoken to us or given to us, which is the most important one? In other words, he says, Jesus, what's the most important thing to God? And Jesus looks right back at the man and he says, the most important commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, Jesus says the most important thing to God is relationships. And if relationships are the most important thing to God, then they must be important to us relational health is of utmost importance in our lives because the truth is at the end of the day, the quality of your relationships will determine the quality of your life probably more than anything else. There is nothing that will bring you more joy than relationships and there's nothing that will bring you more pain than relationships. And if you're anything like me, you hear this theme of like, okay, healthy relationships for this year. It's like super exciting. Like I want my relationships to get healthy. And it's pretty overwhelming because how many of you know people are difficult to be in relationship with? (laughs) You're not, but they are, right? (laughs) I mean, people are difficult to be in relationship, but here's the deal. God's grace will empower your willingness if you will lean into this concept this year. So when you came in, you got one of these cards. Here's my hope for you. This is just setting the tone for the year. I'm hoping that you're going to take this. You'll keep it in your Bible, put it in your mirror, your journal, wherever you you do with it. And and there's six verses that I'm going to challenge you to memorize just right out of the gate. We want to seek God first. We want healthy relationships. Six verses, Ephesians 4.29 through 5.2, probably six of the most profound relational verses in all of the Bible. And, And I really, I want to challenge you to memorize these. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their need that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of the living God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to each other, forgiving one another just as in Christ God forgave you. Be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children and live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice For God. If you will memorize those six verses, they will change your relationships this year. And within those six verses, there are five concepts, five actions that if you'll start applying them to all of your relationships this year, if you'll lean into what God wants to do, by the end of next year, your relationships will be in a totally different place. So do you want to walk through those and know what they are? First thing is this, receive from Jesus. If you want to have healthy relationships, you've got to receive from Jesus. Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of God, therefore, as dearly loved children. Only loved children can love others. Spiritual orphans never can. Until you start receiving from Jesus, you have nothing to give to the people in your life. Matthew 10.8, freely you have received, freely give. If I don't freely receive what Jesus offers, I'm, I'm unable to freely give. To the world around me and and the truth is is that most of us struggle in our relationships not because people are difficult which they are let's all agree with that we struggle in our relationships because we don't receive from Jesus if you are not regularly receiving his grace his forgiveness his kindness and his love then you don't have those things to give to other people because you can't create them you cannot give what you do not have. That's why 1 John four nineteen. we love because he first loved us. I have no love for you if I'm not receiving his love for me. I mean, think of the very structure of the cross communicates this for us. You've got a vertical beam and you've got a horizontal beam. Well, when Jesus died on the cross, he didn't die just so we could have a healthy relationship with God. He stretched out his arms on the horizontal beam so we could have healthy relationships with each other. But at the end of the day, the horizontal beam always hangs on the vertical beam. And so if the vertical beam is weak or rotten or fallen down, then the horizontal beam comes crashing down. Your relationships with others will never be better than your relationship with God. If I don't receive love from him, I have no love to give to others. And, and if I don't feel loved from God, I will never feel loved by others. I mean, do you remember the woman at the well? here's a woman with some relational baggage. Just say it how it is. She's been married five times. She's living with a six man. And her life is so full of shame because of these broken relationships in her life that she has to draw water from the well in the middle of the day to avoid the rest of the town. And she's there. And Jesus comes and strikes up this conversation with her. And, and I just sometimes think about the stories, like unpack them sometimes in your mind. Like how would they really play out? And I can just picture this woman like talking to Jesus about these former husbands, like, like I'm sure she had something to say, you know, like, like husband one, he could never keep a job, you know, and, and then my second husband, his, his mom was always getting involved in our business, and then the third husband, he was just a loser, you know, I mean, she, I'm sure she had plenty to say about all the stories of all these men, and yet when you look at the relational carnage in her life, and if we look at the relational carnage in our life, sometimes we have to stop and ask ourselves, If I'm constantly having relational problems with everyone, maybe I'm the problem. I don't actually think it had much to do with those six men. I think it had a lot to do with her because she wasn't receiving from Jesus. And so Jesus looks at her and he says, woman, if if you knew the gift of God and you knew who I was, you would ask of me and I would give you springs of living water. And for the first time in her life, she receives from Jesus, he fills her with springs of living water. It bubbles in and out of her. And now she has something to give to every relationship in her life for the rest of her life. We have to stop demanding from others what we can only get from Jesus. That's what I'm trying to tell you. When when you expect other people to give you what you can only get from God, you set them up for failure and you set yourself up for disappointment. And, and if I'm honest with you, I've struggled with this, and I, and I bet you have too. Like, I often expect things from my wife, Colleen, uh, from my friends, from, from my team, from you. There's things I expect from you up here. Sometimes there's these things we expect from one another that really, at the end of the day, we can only get from Jesus. Like, if I need you to make me feel loved, if I need you to make me find my value, if if I need you to make me feel significant, if I need you to make me feel secure, I've set you up for failure and myself up for disappointment. So who are you placing unhealthy expectations upon? Because most of the relational tension in our life can be tracked back to demanding from others what you can only find in God. Only the heart that receives from Jesus is free to love people without expectation of anything in return. And that is the only key to healthy relationships. I mean, think of Jesus. I want to talk about like relational challenges. His family thought he was crazy. The disciples, his friends, they abandoned him. The Pharisees, let's call them his co workers, they wanted to kill him. Maybe you have that problem, you know? the crowd, his acquaintances gossiped about him. Judas, his close friend, betrayed him. And yet in the midst of all of that, he was always healthy and always engaged in healthy relationships. How? Because he received everything the father offered. So he was free to love everyone else without expectation of anything in return. And so you might ask yourself the question, well, how do I know if I'm actually receiving from Jesus? Well, just look at how you relate to other people. If you make other people earn your forgiveness, it's because you're think you have to earn God's forgiveness. If you make other people win your love, it's because you think you have to win God's love. And if you make other people perform for your approval, it's because you think you have to perform for God's approval. You always relate to other people the way you believe God is relating to you. So maybe this year we need to receive more from Jesus and expect less from people. What do you think about that? That's the key to healthy relationships, first action step. Second one is this, you gotta go first, okay? You got to go first. Ephesians 5 2, live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrance, sacrifice and offering to God. Okay. How many of you know this? If you're going to be in healthy relationships, you're going to have to go first <laughs> a lot. Because <laughs> if you're waiting on other people, you're going to be waiting a long time. Some of you have been waiting a long time. Go first. Say, I love you. Say, I'm sorry. Say, I was wrong. Say, it's okay. Walk across the hallway. Reach across the bed. Pick up the phone. Be generous. Extend kindness. Go first. And I know, I know they were wrong and they should go first, but here's the deal. You can be right or you can be in relationship, but you probably cannot have them both. You can be right. Oh, my, my, my opinion and my preference and my perspective, and technically you may even be. Or you can choose to be in Relationship by going first, and the choice is yours. <laughs> like, aren't you glad Jesus went first for us? Yeah. Romans 5:8. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we're still sinners, Christ came to die for us. Like, the Bible literally says we were hostile to God. We were his enemies, we wanted nothing to do with him. Like, we wanted to send him back to where he came from. We weren't even seeking him, and yet he went first, regardless of how we would choose to respond. That's why people of the kingdom always go first with others, because our king went first with us. In fact, if you're included in Christ, then in your very nature is to go first. In your new nature in Jesus, you're now an initiator. You're a pioneer. You're a catalyst. You are what the Bible calls the sent ones. It's, in your, it's against your nature to wait for the other person to go first. But what does that require? Humility. We hate that. Because <laughs> we have our perspective and our preference and our pride. But James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud but he'll give you grace if you'll humble yourself. And the other reason we hate going first is because they were wrong and we want to see justice be served. Of which we forget, James 2, 13, God says mercy triumphs over justice. God would rather have you go first with mercy than wait around for justice. And some of you have been spending years waiting for justice to be served before you're willing to go first and extend some mercy. And isn't it amazing in every relationship when we go first how everything changes? I mean, Matthew 5, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, go. First, you go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. He says the highest form of worship is to go first and pursue healthy relationships with the people around you. Maturity is always willing to go first. So maybe this year we need to stop being so focused on changing them and ask God to start changing us so we can go first. Okay? You with me on that one? You didn't like that one either? You won't like this one even more. Forgive and apologize. Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another and forgive one another just as in Christ God forgave you. If you're going to be in healthy relationships, you got to be a great forgiver and a great apologizer. And your ability or willingness to forgive is always based on your revelation of how much you have been forgiven. Do you remember the parable of the unmerciful servant? Jesus tells this great story. He says there's a king and he wants to settle his debt. So he calls this man in. Man owes him like tens of millions of dollars, unpayable debt. He could work the rest of his life, 100 lifetimes. He could never pay it off. And and the king calls him in to settle this debt. And the man starts begging for forgiveness and, and, and goes on with his little sob story. And the king looks at him and it says he takes pity on him. And he says, okay, I'm going to forgive your debt. Forgives a debt he couldn't pay off in a thousand lifetimes. And the man leaves. He walks down the road and he bumps into a guy that owes him a few hundred bucks. And he says, hey, man, you need to give me my few hundred bucks. You need to give it to me now. And the guy does the same thing. Oh, I'm so sorry. Give me time. Please forgive me. I'll, I'll promise I'll make it up to you. The guy could work it off in less than a month. But the guy says, no way. Has him arrested, thrown into jail. And the king's servants hear about it and they uh, tell the king and the king brings the man back in. And here's what it says. It says, then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. He received forgiveness, but he refused to give forgiveness. And so he finds himself in prison. And there's that really interesting statement. It says he's going to be in prison until he pays back all he owes. What does the man owe? It is not millions of dollars anymore. You say, well, yeah, it is. No, no, it's not. The debt has been canceled. Once it comes off the ledger, I forgive your wickedness. Remember your sins no more. It can never be reinstated. What does he owe? He owes forgiveness. And the moment he'll forgive the guy that owes him a few hundred bucks, he can walk clean free out of jail. Unforgiveness is self imposed bondage. And isn't it amazing how lots of little offenses in our lives that we don't deal with, that we hold on to, all of a sudden become an immovable mountain in our heart? That's why in verse 31, I think it's fascinating. Bitterness will always lead you to a lifestyle of sin. Get rid of all bitterness. Why? Because it leads to anger, rage, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Unforgiveness will literally steal your destiny. And so if you want to walk into the spaces that God has for you this year, you have to choose to forgive others, not for them so you can get out of your own prison. So who do you need to forgive? And here's the other, who do you need to apologize to? Let's just call it what it is. We in the church, we stink at apologizing. We talk a lot about forgiveness. If you're in church services, you hear a lot of talk about forgiveness. We we don't do near enough talking about apologizing. And the reason I can tell you we stink at it, because in all the years of doing this, I'm in hundreds of meetings with disgruntled husbands and wives and friends and business partners and all these people. And, And you sit in these meetings and there's a group of people, and clearly, this person is clearly wrong. No one would dispute it, disagree. It could be proven in court. I mean, you are clearly wrong. And all you have to do is say, I'm sorry, and the whole thing will be over. But they won't say, I'm sorry. All they want to do is talk about what the other person did, right? You're so quiet because you never do this in your own life. (laughs) And it's amazing. And I just look at them sometimes. I'm scratching my head. I'm like, this is all over if you just say, I'm sorry. But they won't do it. It's like Jesus who says, he says, hey, why, why are you so worried about the speck in your brother's eye when you have a log in your own eye? Like, Let's get the log out of your eye, then you can clearly see to help get the speck out of your brother's eye. Maybe we need to stop telling everybody else what's wrong with them and start taking some responsibility for what's wrong with us. Because, man, I don't hear that preached a lot in the church, and I don't see a lot of church people do that. We like to talk about what's wrong with everybody else. I want to take responsibility of what's wrong with me because Jesus says he's already forgiven me, and he'll heal me. And he'll redeem my relationships if I will be humble and honest enough about it. I mean, just say, I'm sorry. And not like, I'm sorry. Come on, Some how my kids try to get away with it. I'm sorry. No. Enunciate, look them in the eye. I'm sorry for, specific, I was wrong. Will you forgive me? Make it right and make restitution if you can. Zacchaeus in Luke 19 is a fascinating story. He's tax collector, meets with Jesus. Jesus has this encounter with him at his house, all on his own. Zacchaeus stands up and says, Lord, if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will give him back four times the amount I stole him. Whoa. But that's what a genuine encounter with Jesus does. It changes your future, and it also allows you to make right your past. Can you imagine being the guy in a house somewhere the next few days? Zacchaeus comes and knocks on the door, guy opens the door, it's Zacchaeus, obviously he doesn't like Zacchaeus because he's a tax collector, and Zacchaeus is there to say, hey, you don't even know this, I ripped you off, here's four times back what I've stolen from you. Why are you doing that? Because of what Jesus has done for me. You want to talk about revealing the goodness of God to the people of this world, blow them away. And by apologizing, what you're doing is you're admitting you need the grace of Jesus, too. That you're a work in progress. And I know it's hard, but the Bible tells us that we're anointed as reconcilers. How are we going to reconcile the world if we can't even do that with one another? Okay? So forgive and apologize. Fourth thing is this, intentionally invest. If you want healthy relationships, intentionally invest. Ephesians 5.1, be imitators of God. What does God do? He's intentional and relational in everything he does. He invests everything he has into his relationships. Romans 8:32, he, the Father, who did not spare his own son, will he not then in him give us all things? Like he gave us Jesus. He gave us every he invested everything he had into his relationships and he invites us to do the same. I'm convinced we, we have, we're so good of being filled with good intentions for our relationships. Oh, this year we're gonna, and one of these days we will. And, and I've been thinking about it for a long time. Okay, can I just tell you something? We need to move from good intention to consistent action. Yeah. So what we need to do? No more good intention. It's time for consistent action. Start choosing to take your energy and your, and your finances and your effort and your, and your sacrifice and, and your time and all that stuff and invest it into your relationships. I mean, think of Jesus. Three years with 12 guys, invested everything. They shared every meal together. They walked down the road together. They dealt with their failures together. Jesus shared his secrets. He empowered them with his kingdom. And they end up with these amazing relationships. Healthy relationships don't just happen. Okay? So parents, here's the challenge for you. Bible says train your child in the way they should go. Are you intentionally investing in your child to help them discover who they are, who he is, and what they were created to do? Spouses, husbands and wives, the Bible says love and respect one another. Are you intentionally investing love and respect into your husband or to your wife? Uh, Kids, are you honoring your parents so that you will have a good life and it may go well with you? Uh, Friends, are you building up and encouraging the people in your life? Employees, are you honoring and submitting to the authority in your life with a level of intentionality the way the Bible calls you to? If you want healthy relationships, you have to invest more than you withdraw. And Galatians 6, 9 will say, do not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. I think most of us give up way too quick on our relationships. Some of you are here today, you're ready to give up on a relationship in your life. Don't give up. This is the year of healthy relationships, but it's going to cost some investment out of you and to them, okay? And then the last thing is this, speak life. Speak life. Verse 29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. Let's be honest, that's probably the hardest one that we've talked about yet. Because if we really pulled the layers back and looked at each other's lives, I I would bet that we have all spoken things that are heartbreaking to the people we love in our lives. And the reason it says don't let any, not don't let some, there's a big difference there. The reason it says don't let any is because words are not neutral. They build up or they tear down. They are not neutral. And I'm convinced that reckless words probably destroy our relationships more than anything else. Proverbs 18, 21 says, the tongue has the power of life and death. You're made in the image and likeness of God. So the words you say have the power to create, heal, and restore. or They have the power to tear down, destroy, and, and, and bring destruction. Romans 4.17 says, God who gives life to things that are not, and or gives life to dead things and calls things that are not as though they were. God speaks in such a way that his words shape the future. And he's empowered us to do the same. God calls fatherless Abraham a father. He calls uh, shaky Peter a rock. He calls fearful Gideon a mighty warrior. Crazy. But he calls things that were not as though they were. And he shaped the future. And Abraham became the father of many nations. Peter became the rock for the New Testament church. And Gideon went on to win some mighty victories in the Lord. Speak live. Every night when I tuck my kids in, there's two things I do. I remind them, or I actually ask them of what we believe. And they tell me the same four things every night. I say, God is good. Jesus has forgiven me. I am loved and everything is possible. If I do nothing else as a dad, if my kids leave my house and they believe those four things, I'll count that a win. And then I look at my kids and I say this. Every night, I look Trey, my nine-year-old son in the face and I'll say, Trey, you're like King David. You have a warrior spirit with a tender heart. That's who God made you and that's who you're gonna be. And then I go downstairs and I go find my little girl, my seven-year-old Emma and I look her in the face and we do the same thing and then I look at her and I say, Emma, you are a bold leader with a heart of worship. Two totally different things to two totally different kids, both made in the image and likeness of God, but made very differently. And I have been able to tap into how I see God moving in their life. And now I speak it forth over them. I'm calling things that are not as though they were because my son will be a warrior spirit with a tender heart. And my daughter will be a bold leader with a heart of worship because I'm going to use my words to shape their future. I want to speak life over them. When was the last time you did that to anyone? And, and I'll tell you how you do it. Here's how you do it. Cause we're like, I don't know how to do it. Here's how you do it. Pray about what you want to say, get their attention, look them in the eyes and build them up. That's it. That's it. You can do that, but it's awkward by your quietness. I know it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. Why? Because we don't do that and they never receive it. Because who's walking around telling people life-giving things in their life? So Valley Creek Church, let me get your attention. You are a Jesus-focused, spirit-filled, life-giving people. The grace of God is upon your life. You are walking with him in a life that is so much bigger than you have even begun to understand. You are on mission with him. You are generous you are passionate, you are faithful, you are committed, and you are a people of faith, hope, and love, and you are the greatest church in the world, and yet you walk with a humility and a dignity to lead other people to Jesus. That's who you are. That's how you speak life. Now, you can say, well, that's not me, that's the person next to me. You can choose to receive it or not. It's the interesting thing about life. That's why God says, hey, today I set before you life and death, choose wisely. Choose life. Have a little bit of faith to believe a little bit different than the people in this world around you and receive the life that I offer you. You see, at the end of the day, I can't promise you that by the end of 2017, you'll have healthy relationships in your life, because you can only control you. Romans 12 18 as far as it depends on you live peaceably with all men you do everything that God asks you to do you can't control them but you would be amazed at what these five things will do to soften the heart of man because that's exactly what Jesus did to soften your heart he received everything from the father he always goes first for you he forgave you to a point that he doesn't even remember the failures of your past He invested his very life and his inheritance to you, and all he ever does is speak life. The words he speaks to you are spirit, and they are life. So this isn't a message to start 2017 trying harder. This is a message to build your faith and say, look to Jesus and what he did to create a healthy relationship with you, and as you receive that, it will naturally and effortlessly flow out of you into the relationships in the world around you. We walk with a God who brings dead things to life, who heals the sick and blesses the humble. If you've got a dead relationship in your life, he can bring it back to life. If you've got a sick relationship in your life or broken, he can heal and restore that thing completely and he will bless and grow any relationships you want to see flourish in the days to come. So maybe, maybe just maybe, let's start this year and say, Holy Spirit, you have permission to work in my relationships this year because I want this to come true for me. Psalm 119, 11 says, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. My challenge to you is hide these six verses in your heart, memorize them, meditate on them, put them in here so you can just speak them out wherever you are. Why? So that I might not sin against you. Sin, just remember, it's not like, oh, this bad religious thing. It means to miss the mark. God's saying, hide these verses in your heart so you don't miss the mark and miss the healthy relationships that I died so you have. Are you with me on that? Okay. Everybody who wants that and wants to receive it, stand to your feet and let me pray for you. You don't have to stand up, but as a sign of faith, if you say, I received that word for me this year, I want healthy relationships and I'm going to lean into that. You stand up as an act and a sign of faith. And let me just pray for us. Lord Jesus, we celebrate a beginning of a new year. We celebrate that this year, your mercies are new for us. The old is gone, the new has come. We are forgiven, free, and we walk in the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you that you died, that we might have a healthy relationship with you. And that all this doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how great our marriages, our kids are, our friendships are, our work relationships are, if we don't have a healthy relationship with you. And so may this year we choose to seek you first. May we put you first and foremost in our lives and receive the great things that you want to give to us. And as that happens, Lord, we choose to lean in. We choose to lean into this grace, to this favor, and we're believing for breakthrough. Some of you are here and you've been living in a dead marriage. God says, this is the year it can come back to life. Some of you are here and you're standing up and you are brokenhearted over the relationship with your child. God says, this is the year that I can bring it back together. Some of you are here and you feel so lonely like you don't even have any relationships to pursue health with. God says, this is the year healthy relationships are gonna be birthed in your world. Some of you are here and you haven't talked to your parents in years over something or someone that happened in the past. He says, this is the year that through honor and humility, I can restore that thing and make what was wrong, right. What Satan used for harm, I'm gonna use it for good. So you have the choice, church. You can have a faith and you can choose to receive it. Or you can be stoic and static and say, nice, nice message, carry on. But Jesus is offering you something better than that today. And my hope and my prayer for you is that this year we'll receive it and walk in it. Holy Spirit, would you have the freedom to move in our relationships this year, in this church, in our families, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, workplaces, schools, everywhere we go. Healthy relationships in the name of Jesus. Amen.